We are in our fourth week, if you can believe it, of our Flourish series. Uh, and it's been quite an adventure. If um, you've missed a week, uh, if you are just joining us, I'd encourage you grab one of these uh, Flourish guides. There's all kinds of helpful information, some of what Aaron's already mentioned. <clears throat> There's study questions personally and for groups. Um, and if you've missed a week, go to the website that's in here um, and just go back and listen to some of those messages and reflect on these questions because each week builds on each other. And we are on a journey and moving forward to what I think is going to be an awesome week next week. And so please um, engage that. So far we've talked about what it means in a, in a fresh way to return back to this idea of what it looks like when a person truly roots their life in Christ for the sake of others. We've looked at how generosity is actually the key to unlocking flourishing, which is God's intent for our world, which is his intent for us. And we've looked at how we're to be conduits of his grace, bringing that flourishing to others. And as we do, we actually find that grace touching our lives in a deep and powerful way. Today, we're going to look at one of the most, I think, challenging passages of Scripture, um, it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. How many of you are familiar with the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Right. So oftentimes when I ask a question like that, um, most hands, or many hands won't go up, and the ones that do are maybe half sure if they know the story. But, uh, but after today, you're going to know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. I, I shot my first Facebook Live video this week in preparation for this weekend. I, I'm maturing if you will, into the social media world and Facebook, so that it was quite a moment, at least for me. And here's what I wanted to say. I wanted to say, hello, Christ Church. Could you imagine if you made a commitment to God and then you lied about actually how much it was you give and you didn't even bring in the whole commitment? And, and, and as a result, in the middle of church service, boom, you fell dead. That's where we're going to go. And Lord, Willing, we will all make it to the end of this message alive. And so <clears throat> I processed this with our gracious senior pastor, Dan Meyer, before I shot the video. And you got to know Dan, right? He, he gives us thoughtful head nod, um, which means he disapproves of whatever you're doing. <laughs> he said, Eric, he goes, that, that might be a great story for your sermon. But let's make sure we actually get people here to listen to the sermon. So I went another route. Uh, last week I talked to someone um, as I was just sharing where we were going to go and they said, wow, I, they said, I went to church on and off when I was a kid. And they said, I'm confessing, I don't remember hardly any of the Bible stories they told us. But, but she goes, I remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira. It scared me to death. She goes, in fact, it still does a little bit. So would, do you resonate <clears throat> with feelings like that or memories like that of growing up and, and the difficulty of this passage we're going to look at, or maybe it's one of those passages we just don't touch and we don't talk about because it seems a little too close to home or judgmental or whatever, but the reality is it's in the scriptures and we need to wrestle with it and deal with it, so we are, and we're going to navigate it together. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 5 or you can pull it up on your device. We'll have the words on the screen for you as well. But, but listen to these words. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. 
Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Then it belonged to you before it was sold, and after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not just lied to human beings, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what happened. And then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. It's a pastor that tells me there's something not quite right in the marriage, if that much time goes by and you don't know your husband's been dead and buried. Um, But Peter asked her, tell me, what is, is this the price that Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. And then Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. In other words, the the word was getting out this Christian thing. It wasn't a half-hearted commitment. It seemed to be serious business, a serious commitment. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number, to the church. And as a result, people brought sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. It's quite a story, isn't it? I want you to pull out your take root commitment card. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> this is like too tempting for me to, but in all serious, like what do we do with a story like this? You know, my, my heart um, for you is that whenever we preach uh, the word of God, that you would be able to leave here and at some point down the road encounter Acts chapter five again and say, I know what's happening in that passage of scripture. And you could actually share with someone some of the insights you've gained. We, we want you to be equipped with God's word. And so to do that, we we need to plunge in and we need to look at the context of this. This story is actually a continuation of a story we looked at two weeks ago. Um, At the end of Acts chapter four, we read this. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it to the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You see, when the Bible was written originally, it didn't have all the chapters and verses and all the headings that break up the chapters. Those were added later for teaching and to help organize the scriptures and a a little to flow. But in the early days, this would have just been one story. 
And it was a story of the early church and the generosity that was flowing through them because the Spirit of God was powerfully working within them. And, and there were these characters like Barnabas and others that uh, were, 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 became these living examples of what God was doing in the life of the people. And, and this story continued to show the reverse side of generosity, the reverse side when people's hearts weren't with God. It showed the contrasting motivations and desires, and this story was important for the early church because it showed them, revealed him to them how they were to be and not to be with each other, and it showed them how to live with God and others and, it, and, and how not to live with God <clears throat> and others. One of the big ideas we need to take away from at least this story is that this is a, the, the story of generosity is to characterize the church and the lies of those that make up the church and dishonesty and the lack of integrity would bring death to the people of God, would bring death to the whole movement and purposes of what God was doing from the inside out if that kind of spirit was allowed to root itself. It's interesting that the name Ananias means God is merciful or graceful. A couple interesting points or, or just even truths that I, 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 these are the handles you need to have on this passage because I think it'll debunk maybe some of the pain or misunderstanding of how we've received this. The, the first is this, the early church never demanded what it was people should give. They never demanded that they should sell property and bring the entire sales, the entire sale to the, to the church. Um, if you remember back in that story, Peter challenged Ananias. He said, wasn't it yours to sell? And, and wasn't the money at your disposal? Meaning he could have done anything he wanted with it. <clears throat> I think some people have painful experiences perhaps in years past when they felt the church or the churches perceived that all it is is it's wanting to make asks or demands of what people should do with their resources. And, and it's just not true. That, that wasn't the story of the early church. It's not the story of Christ Church. But what we're passionate about is we want to build a community of people where the Spirit moves in us, like in that early church where generosity wells up and we extend flourishing to tens of thousands here and far beyond. Second, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira had nothing to do with the percentage of what they gave. Um, the sin was the lie, and it was the deceit not just to the apostles and to the church, but they linked it that you're, you're, they were lying to God himself. They were testing God, the Holy Spirit, um, through their deceit. Now, and I don't know if it was some extreme greed that they had, that they, you know, thought, but, but, but it seemed like they wanted to prop themselves up. They wanted some of that Barnabas glory. And you get a sense that Barnabas never would have shouldered that. He would have just, you know, directed it right back to God. But but maybe just all the Barnabas, 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 they wanted to be in that crowd, and so they were trying to, to, to be imposters to, to project themselves in that way. Whatever it was, <clears throat> it was horrible for the community of the church, and that kind of deceit and vanity or dishonesty uh, needed to be dealt with. It was evil in the sight of God. You know, and I think it's helpful for us to remember that uh, we are a holy community. We are linked by the Spirit of God himself who indwells us. And so there's nothing surface level 
between us. There's nothing surface level in the church. In fact, we are connected much deeper than what we could ever imagine. And you think about how we talk to each other or treat each other, how we email or what happens on social media. We wonder if we really remember that or internalize that enough. Um, the other thing that just made me pause was that I feel like I'm in view a little too much with this whole idea of like withholding or holding back, not fully being all in, not fully investing everything uh, or making it available to God. I, I don't know what that is in me. I don't know what that is in humanity. And it, it manifests itself in so many ways. People can hold back um, love or care, encouragement. Um, they can hold back affection, time, and even resources. <clears throat> where that exists in you and certainly where it exists in me, we need to repent of that. That means like we need to actually stop moving in that direction and turn in the other direction. And the other direction is generosity. It's the key to unlocking so much of the goodness that God wants for us to be that conduit of blessing. <clears throat> There's a story of a contractor, actually the story of a quite wealthy person who had used a contractor many, many times in the past for all kinds of projects. And this wealthy man came to the contractor and he said, I want you to build a dream house. And he gives him a large, large sum of money. And he says, dream it up, draw it up, and build it. And I will come back. Let me know when it is finished, <clears throat> but spare no expense. <clears throat> so the, architect, or the, the, the contractor begins to draw up plans. And as he's doing, he thinks about this. He says, I could really make out big in this deal. I could pocket a lot of that money. He'd never even know how much uh, I was spending or even saving for myself. And so he starts cutting corners and didn't build the house the way it should have been built. And, and even the finishes were masked. And so on the outside, this home looked spectacular, but, but it was not um, done with the integrity it should. And, and so... When the house was finished, the contractor called the man back and, and presented the house to him, and, and the wealthy man just beamed. He said, it looks glorious. Thank you for all the work that you've done for me. This house is for you. <laughs> and in that moment, struck with the awe of generosity from this man, but then you know, a soul that shatters like glass when he realizes just the sin that he had committed. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and put on a new self. That's that being rooted in Christ, which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of its creator. It's, it's this God in us that's wanting to live through us. <clears throat> we have to uproot the old and we have to root ourselves deeply in Christ. Let's, let's be quick to be honest where maybe some of the residue of that sin still lives in us. The third thing I'd want you to remember with this story is that there were many other stories in the story of Israel, in the story of the church, the people of God, that they would have remembered, um, <clears throat> maybe even linked to this story. Because you see, whether it was coming out of Egypt 
and the exodus, whether it was coming into the promised land or, or uh, as the nation of Israel was being established, there were times when God was moving powerfully among the people. And if you re- go back and read those stories, you find that there was sin that would creep up. And at every instance, God dealt with it swiftly and directly because it would damage the very movement, the purposes, the, the, the kingdom that God was wanting to build through his people. <clears throat> The church took note of this story. And the big aha was that no evil could live within the church, that it would just frustrate and it would, like cancer, eat away from the inside out and it would ultimately destroy them. What's interesting is that as serious and as shocking as that would have been, the church continued to grow. That this wasn't a shrink back and oh no, but it called the people forward that, that they recognized as they continue to live this generous life, this life fueled by what God was doing in and through them. And as they encouraged each other that it would only build and build and build. And what's interesting is decades later, you find the church extending branches to new cities, even like what we are doing as part of our take root life, this generosity that's swelling up, we want to extend new branches of Christ church. But listen to the story of one church that's across the Mediterranean now. It's the church in Macedonia. And, and tell me you don't hear the story, this story of Acts chapter 4 and 5 that would have even shaped the new branches of the church. It says, now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God's given the Macedonian churches in the midst of severe trial Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. These were not people well off. In fact, a lot of persecution. They were in extreme poverty. But you still see this spirit of generosity that was still flowing through the church. It says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the, servant, the service of the Lord's people. You see, the, the apostles were almost saying, like, you guys are in such need, like, we don't need your offering. In fact, we need to supply you more. And they were like, don't rob us of the joy of being part of what God is doing in the life of the church. And it says, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord. They were rooting themselves in Christ. And then, by the will of God, to us also. So we urged Titus, just that he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. The outflow of the Spirit of God in them. Friends, this is the kind of church I want us to be. That's the kind of church, not just that I want to be a part of, but, but I want to be a part of contributing to that kind of culture and body of believers. And Ananias and Sapphira, it, it is quite a story, sometimes hard to get our heads around, but we have to ask the question, what do we do with it? Because it was such an impactful part of the early church's story. It needs to continue to be an impactful story for us as well. And so here's what I would suggest to you. 
I would suggest that we kind of just take a step of honesty and even sobriety as we look at ourselves collectively, but just look deep within ourselves and ask yourself two questions. The first is, what's in your pocket? Almost sounds like a credit card commercial. What's in your pocket, right? Um, th that question has to do with capacity. What is our true capacity? What is it that God has given us all? Like, what is it that is at our disposal? Wasn't it yours before it was sold? Wasn't it yours to do with whatever you want? What is your capacity? And the second question is this. What am I holding back from people? Or what am I holding back from God that I might actually be lying about? Whether to myself or to God or to others. It's that honesty question. So much of growing and maturing in Christ and in life is being willing to ask yourself to hard questions, good questions, um, and then responding to them with honesty and truthfulness and, and even faithfulness. As we close our time, I, I would, um, this is what I would ask of you this week, today and in the days to come. Take an inventory of what uh, you've truly made available to God. Was it at your right now willing to bring? Just kind of think about that, list that out. Jim Elliott says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So it's a capacity question. What have you made available to God? The second thing is make another list of what is in your pocket or pocketbook. Have the courage to be honest. What is it that you've kept back for your own pocket? Um, as Dan and I talked, the idea came of what if our faithfulness wasn't measured by what we gave, but what if our faithfulness was actually determined by what we held back? And I was like, no, I like the first one better because that hits a little too close to home. But it does change the perspective of even how we understand how we're being faithful by what we're not willing to let go of. Admit the gap between the pocket and what you're willing to make available, and then simply do this. Move something from number two to number one. Move something from your pocket and bring it and lay it at the Lord's feet. I promise you it is the secret to not just flourishing but truly living. I want you to listen, watch this um, video. This is one of the, someone from our own Christchurch family. And just the work and what God has done in and through his life, their life together. So take a look at this. My name is Brian Runwick, and this is my best buddy. <laughs> His wife, Barbara Runwick. I think Brian and I kind of lost our way. When the kids were grown, we stopped going to church for a while. And I think when Take Root came to us, uh, we looked at each other as an opportunity for a new beginning for us. I think. The night of the meeting, there were tears and a lot of emotion for Brian and I as to how we were going to go forward with the rest of our life and, and where we had been and, and what we wanted to start new in our life. We viewed Take Root as a, a way for us, Barb and I, to, to have a new beginning with, with God, to make a new commitment to Him personally. So that was very important to us. And we prayed about it, been very healing to us and also strengthening, I think you could say, to us too. 
We started coming back to church at that point, and shortly after we started our journey back, we found out that Brian was really sick, was diagnosed with uh, stage four pancreatic cancer. We went to Scottsdale, and I received treatment. It's a journey that has taken us in some really beautiful places in our life. And it's kind of like when Jesus went into the desert for 40 days, and, and we got to Scottsdale, and each treatment cycle is approximately 40, 40 days long, and uh, we're in the desert. I'm 64 years old, and I have struggled with being more open in, in relationships. I have asked him to change my heart, to be more open, to be more giving, to be more what he is. All these years, and he's doing that for me. It's beautiful. You can't go back. You, you know that he is absolutely in you, in your heart, and changing it. I can do nothing apart from him. People can't change. Only through Jesus Christ you can change. One of the things I've tried to do is challenge myself to be more humble, to be wise, and, and, and to be more understanding. And I spent many years judging people. Recently, I've tried to be more understanding. We're all God's children, and I've tried to be less judgmental. It has been so rewarding to have this relationship now that we have praying together and this walk together. Um, has brought us so close to Jesus Christ, to each other, and to our families and to the world that it's just overwhelming to me that this could happen through this journey. I also realized that I wanted to do more for God. I wanted to do more to try to grow His kingdom. And I thought one thing I can do is increase our take root commitment. And so that was very important to Barb and I. We're expanding the facilities. Uh, we want to expand the congregation. I, I see so many people who need God and who are looking for Him. And I want Christ Church of Oakbrook to be a welcoming place that Barb and I are involved in. Because again, it's all about growing Christianity here in Oak Brook, here in Illinois, here in the United States, and, and here in the world, the live stream sermons. It's very important that those continue because the message coming from Christ Church is very powerful. And those sermons are, are excellent. And the more people who can be exposed to that, uh, the more Christians we're gonna have in the world. And to me, that's very important. I'm not sure how much time I have left and I want to do more while I'm here. And so it was never about doing less with my commitment. It was always in my mind about doing more. He won't ask anything of you that he doesn't think that you can fulfill. And if you can't fulfill it, you don't ask him about that. And, and I think he will respond in some form or, or way. He will tell you uh, what you need to do. And, that's, I think, the most important thing you can do is to pray to God about your commitment and what you want to do with it. You have to 
do what God is calling you to do today. It is all His anyway. Right. It's quite a story, isn't it? Um, that's just not Brian's story. We're, because we're connected, that's our story as well. Um, since that video was um, shot, um, Brian has been doing some experimental um, treatments. Um, his last report is that they could not find a trace of cancer in his body, which is quite unheard of when it comes to pancreatic stage four cancer. And as much of a miracle as he is, they would both say the real miracle is what God has done in our hearts and the gift that he sees of whatever time that is to be used for his kingdom. They're moving outward and they're so excited about it. You know, no marriage or team or group or uh, whatever, they, they will never truly flourish until the mindset shifts of good enough, this is good enough to what else can I do? What else can I bring? The truth is God owns it all. He's given all. He's, and he's asked for our willingness to make all available. These early disciples got it at some level. And whether they left nets, whether it was you know, selling their property like we saw in those stories, but, but they were learning to be all in. And because of it, the church thrived. And every single day people were coming in to a saving relationship. They were entering into this goodness of God because he loves this world and that, that was his plan. I want us to be a church like that where the spirit just moves so powerfully among us. People say they must have walked with Jesus at some point. I want to be like that. I, I need people around me to spur that on and I need to spur that on in others as well. <clears throat> Next week, we will refresh our Take Root commitment cards. But I'm thankful for this story and the week we have, just to be honest, and to ask ourselves those good questions, but also tough questions in terms of what's in my pocket and what am I willing to truly open? Can I, can, I, can I be a story like Brian? Can I be a story like what we see happening in the early church? And, and I pray when we gather next week and the weeks to come, our jaws will drop at what we experience together, the Spirit of God moving among us so powerfully that it is undeniable. And God will be glorified. That we'll just step back and say, God, you, you be glorified. Because he will do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine and even bring. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Holy God, we thank you for the saints that have gone before us. We thank you for each of these candles. We thank you for Brian and his story. We thank you for the stories that are represented in this room. God, this is your story. And your will, your intention is that we would thrive and flourish. And we know now the key to that is, is moving with your spirit, the spirit of generosity that just says, God, my time, my talents, my resource, it's all for you and your glory. And when we take that step, when we root ourselves like that, there is no telling what you will not just do in us, but what you will do through us uh, for the sake of this world that you love. And so, God, we pray that we would be open and available to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>